You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, I know that a lot of our big fans of the show happen to realize that you're a trailer man. And (laughs) my God, we have a big weekend coming up. Well, yeah, yeah, we're taking it out this weekend. The first weekend, the campground is open. We're not, we're, we're not wasting any time this time around. We're going to be out grab, there right away. Grab your graham crackers, grab your mallows, <laughs> yep. get the chocolate, and most importantly, find yourself a good stick and make sure you burn the end to to <laughs> sterilize it. Right? That's like the yeah. key. That's that's key how it's done. Smash. That's how it's done. This is our last Arrowhead Pride Editor show of March, which means we are really entering NFL draft season in just a, a few days here. Ron Kopp, our lead analyst, and his team is doing a great job keeping you locked and loaded and ready for the NFL draft. could say this, and I think fairly say it, this is the most important NFL draft for the Kansas City Chiefs in recent memory. They're going to have 12 picks in this bad boy. We don't think they're going to take 12 players because Brett Feach will use these picks in different fashions and try to wheel and deal i expect a number of trade-ups i actually think that they'll be picking before number 29 that's kind of my personal uh, thought i i think they they really like a player or two and they're gonna swing some of these picks and we're gonna have to be on alert on the opening night of the draft because with all of these picks you can get as high as what i would say 15 to 30 uh anywhere in, in that area and if the chiefs really feel like they have a day one impact player I'm sure that they're going to go in that direction. So we'll be talking about the Chiefs. We have a lot of news to get through today. In the second segment, we're actually going to bring in Steve. I don't know if we've ever brought him into the editor show for a little bit of a roundtable on where we nice. stand with this Tyree Kill thing. But first, I have to remind you, if you guys like the show, and I'm going to emphasize this week, like the show, go on to Apple iTunes and leave us a rating and a review we will read it on the show, and we'll start. We have two that I'll read. Um, I'll read th- this this week. This one comes from uh, Mister DMCD. Thank you for your continuous coverage of the Chiefs. It is something I've used to distract me through the pandemic until even today. The editor show is my favorite show. How about that, John? Finally, nice. gold medal. A lot nice. of people will put a second. Not Mister DMCD. Uh, I'll continue here. After that, it's show and BK and then coast to coast. I enjoy the from the podium spots quite a bit. And imagine everyone listening thinks that Pete is just holding the mic wrong for the other journalists. I'll explain <laughs> this again in a second. I'll continue. Serta's laugh isn't at all distracting. And those who think so are being way too picky. I thought I'd try and contradict all the peanut gallery views you have to read. Anyway, I love what you do. Keep doing it. And he'll have a, he'll have a question here in a second. 
from the podium, I just want to reemphasize for those who are fairly new listeners. I've talked about this before. We just kind of work, work with what the Chiefs set up. So the mm-hmm. Chiefs internally will set up the mic system. John, you've been an audio man forever. Mm-hmm. Follow him on, at Arrow Headphones. How, very clever. Very clever Twitter handle. Uh, but so sometimes like when it's Zoom, you hear the reported questions because everyone has really the same mic set up. Right. And, and when we're in person, unless the Chiefs have a mic set up, which is within the what would be the question area or where the media sits, mm-hmm. you're not going to really hear the question. So we work with it. Steve does his best editing it up, but you can only do so much when the setup isn't suitable for what would be a from the podium podcast. We try to give you what the subject says. Uh, we'll see maybe a- as we get more in person here, hopefully knock on wood with freaking this European variant. We don't even know what the hell's going on, but hopefully we're in person <laughs> and we'll figure out a better way to get audio. Okay. Here's the question, John. If you had to take a swing in uh, the dark, who is the number one wide receiver and the number one defensive end next year? John, do you have any takes on this? On the Chiefs, which who who do I think the number one receiver and number one defensive, defensive end will be? Okay. Well, I I think it's I think it's going to be Valdez Scantling, uh, number one. Unless you know, I guess it's still possible they could do a free agent thing or bring in a, a top rated wide receiver in the draft. I think the top defensive end is going to be somebody who's drafted, and I think Me the too. Chiefs could end up inside the top ten. I, I think I it's been pretty clear to me yeah. that the all the way through free agency, uh, when all the big signings right off the bat were aging defensive ends and the Chiefs right. were doing nothing, right from that moment on, I have believed that the Chiefs are targeting somebody in the very first part of the draft, in the first five or ten picks. Yeah. And so, uh so we're gonna see a move up, I think. I would tend to agree with you. Now, we're going to be transparent here. John and I, we're newsmen. We're not draft experts. That's right, why we have Ron right. on Monday yeah. and Fridays. But what I'd agree with you is is the notion of, I think they like somebody, too, at edge. Because yeah. you just have seen no movement. We're going to talk in a little bit here. Arden Key, who visited the Chiefs on March 25th, he ended up going to Jacksonville this morning. We found out recording about 1045 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Uh, so the Chiefs are being very careful with their money. They're not going to overpay. And I think it's because they do not only like one edge player in this NFL draft. I think they like multiple. And I think they like multiple as potential day one contributors, because I right. don't think they would be ultra conservative here if they didn't feel like they can nail one of these guys. And that's why, you know, we had joked about how annoying it's going to be to cover 29 and 30 back to back. I'm 70 per five, 80 percent sure that. They're not going to be picking back to back. Right. Round. I agree you know, that that's yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. And I think it is for yeah. an edge position. And then the receiver question, we actually have a news point about that. We're going to get to in a few moments here. So I don't want to step on that. So we'll come back to that. But thank you for the good review. Uh, Dr. Mr. Dr. DMCD. All right. The, this one is from man. I cannot pronounce these usernames. Fajundrib. Uh, FJJ, O-O-N-G, Dry, H-B-E, whatever. Yeah, anyway, thank you for the five right. stars. Yeah. I definitely make AP my first listen of the day, all caps. Great content, more inside information than the other podcasts. I just want to throw this out there. The production is much better than other Chiefs podcasts. Much more professional, less interrupting, fewer commercials, and less off-base conjecture. So thank you, Fajun. You said it, not me. 
and then he continues. Honestly, show and BK is my favorite. Not surprised. Back to our, our silver medal status, John. But right. For content, AP would rank as my 1B. I think he means us. I will say, I'm not much for soccer, racing, or accents. <laughs> Come on. Accents, it's 2022. <laughs> uh, so um, the British show ranks last for me. Great work. I'm a fan of all the Chiefs podcasts. So forgive me for this slide. I'll end up with some questions. There's a lot of questions here. Are the Chiefs countering the moves in the AFC West by focusing uh, on the run? Other teams sign personnel to combat the fast-moving offense and big play threat of Tyreek. Now with Ronald Jones, big receivers, and good blocking tight ends, we are transforming into a run heavier, mm. still probably pass-first offense that won't have the personnel to stop. Will we now slow it down with the run to keep their offenses off the field? Is this similar to what the Pats did with Brady at one point in his career? What implications does this have for the draft? Will we focus on defense first with less emphasis than we th- <laughs> think on receiver, maybe more developmental receivers to transition back to later in the season? All right, so we have this conversation piece that we're going to have the roundtable in the second segment. And I think we can't answer all these questions. You, you, you asked about eight. But thank you for all the questions. But we will talk about, I think, the offense as a whole in this Tyree Kill segment we're going to do in, in segment two. Generally speaking, uh, and, and this is kind of a tease to the second segment, what I think you've seen is the Chiefs wanted to retain Tyree Kill. Basically, they were willing, willing to go to a certain price point. When that became too expensive and you started to get into sacrificing legitimate flexibility for every position as the years go mm-hmm. on, right? I think you saw Andy Reid turn inside and say, you know what, maybe moving on from Hill and completely changing the offense that was a little figured out in 21. I mean, we have to be honest. Uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I don't know if it's necessarily run first. I don't think Andy Reid is, is ever going to go run first, but I think it's going to be different looking. And I think what moving on from Hill offers you is a blank slate because you'll have defensive coordinators, you know, trying to dial up tape that doesn't exist. And when Andy Reid has that prospect, the chiefs will are very dangerous. So I'm trying to answer all your questions in one shot there. Um, we'll talk about it more in detail in the second segment. John, if you want to add anything before we can, we can well, I think it's possible that, uh, that the Hill situation came as a shock to the chiefs and they've had to change their approach as a result. But I also think it's possible that Andy Reed has been leaning this way anyway. Right. You know, he always talks about the ebb and flow of offenses in the NFL. Yeah. And he's said before, you know, right now what we're doing is the ascendancy, but it'll change. And if he really believes that, then he has to be one of the agents for that change. He has to be one of the guys who says, let's try something, you know, let's try a different approach now because it, because now defenses are, you know, moving to stop what we've been doing. So right. I think it's possible that some of this uh, was happening independent of the trade with Tyreek and that the trade just gave him some more ammunition to make some of these moves. Uh, you know, they'll probably never tell us. Right. <laughs> but, I, no, I, I, I think it's going to be something you see on the field. I just don't think the yeah. Chiefs offense is going to look at all the same. Because uh, yeah. if you really think about it, it was running through Tyreek. And when you take right. that out, you don't just have to change a few plays. You basically have to rebuild the foundation anyway we'll get more into that yeah. into the second segment we'll bring steve in we'll have a little bit of a, a chat about where we stand with the tyree kill stuff all right so those are your reviews once again if you leave us a rating and a review we will read it on the show and try to address whatever uh, is on your mind all right john let's get into some of the news here of the past week 
First of all, this is non on the field, but I know that it captured the minds and hearts of Chiefs fans on Tuesday. This came down from the NFL owner meetings in Palm Beach, Florida. Every year during the offseason, the owners meet to address different league issues, rule changes, which another thing we'll get into at the end of the show. Um, and this came out from what was Mark Donovan, who is the president of the Chiefs. And I will read the quote here. Uh, talking about stadium prospects, the Chiefs lease for uh, what is Johnson County and Truman Sports Complex is up in 2031. And here was Donovan. Pretty consistently, we get inquiries from the state of Kansas that if you're going to make a change, what if you brought the stadium here? So we're looking at that as well. Then John Ian Rappaport went onto Twitter and quote tweeted and said, Kansas Chiefs. <laughs> and then everyone really freaked out. <laughs> Apparently, Ian Rappaport thought that Chiefs were considering moving to Topeka or Wichita. That's right. That's right. I wouldn't that advise that. Up. I wouldn't advise it. I don't think it would be a good move for the organization. Let's call this what it is. This is the beginning of posturing to mm-hmm. get as much public funding as possible, right? Like, right. and and this is still a business. It's a it's a reminder that it's a business. I don't think the Chiefs are are going anywhere. My long-term prediction, uh, I'll be well into my 40s when this takes place, is that um, you end up seeing a a revamped stadium at Arrowhead with more features. The Royals are going downtown. So you'll see, I think, a plea to do a major renovation at Arrowhead uh, featuring X amount of money from the ownership and then X amount of money requested in order to stay in Kansas City uh, by the the Hunt family and the Chiefs organization to get a, a certain amount of public funding for this, what will be an ultra renovation. And I, I think once the Royals are gone, this is another prediction that I have, I think you see the Chiefs try to lean into what is building a mini city, think Legends, where the soccer mm-hmm. team plays. And... That'll happen 10 years from now. So it's not really something we have to worry about right now. Right. But this is how it works. You you, you saw what Buffalo did and how much money they got $850 million in public funding. You play around with moving to Toronto in Kansas City. You play around with moving to Topeka and Wichita in Kansas, the other <laughs> side of the state line. And you end up getting X amount of money. Immediately, Mayor Q of Kansas City went onto Twitter and essentially said, they ain't going anywhere. Well, why is that? Because there'll be public funding to keep them in Kansas City, Missouri. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that is what it is. Do you have anything to add, John? Well, just that the 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 headline misses out on the the most important part of this is that the Chiefs are in that lease until twenty thirty one. Right. I mean, anything that happens is going to be a long time from now. That doesn't right. mean we shouldn't care about it. Of course. And monitor it and see, you know, how things go, because it's going to change a lot of things if they end up moving across the state line or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, build a new stadium. These things are going to be important. But, you know, the immediate reaction was, you know, oh, my God, the Chiefs are moving across the state line. Well, yeah, maybe, but not for 10 years. It's going to be a while before anything really happens. And I think that's the most important takeaway from this thing. Saddest part about this and and RAP, right? Any idea of a rolling roof? 
shared between two stadiums. That's it's not going to happen. I I would have loved to have seen it. I would have yeah. loved to have seen the, what do they call it? Like the, what is the video where you, the time thing? Oh, time uh, lapse. Yeah, time yeah. lapse between the the roof moving, which is never going to happen now. So uh, a shame. But I think eventually, and we're talking now ten plus years. If there's a renovation or, or, or whatever, maybe before that, maybe that you know, it could be an angle to try to get this thing renovated earlier. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think you see what I'm talking about. I think you see them try to really build up that area. It's been it's been Arrowhead in the K and pretty much nothing out there but a Denny's for a long time. And I, <laughs> I think there's just like a lot of untapped potential there. And I, and I think the Hunt family it's a shrewd business family. You see them leaning into what is a gym business now with chiefs fit. And, and I, I think that energy will extend eventually to the area near Arrowhead. All right. Now let's get into some players, right? We, we talked about the stadium. This was the big story that everyone was talking about on Tuesday when it comes to the Kansas city chiefs, Diana Rossini went on to ESPN's get up and she's pretty well tapped into the league. And this sounded like it was coming from other GMs other than the Chiefs. Because she doesn't usually, if you really watch what Rossini reports on, it's never really direct sourcing when it has to do with Kansas City. But she she right. does talk to a lot of executives in the league. And it sounds like the Chiefs are calling them. So the Chiefs are calling a, a, around uh, to a lot of these other teams in what she calls top receivers of other squads. So I'll read this part. The Chiefs are thinking... You know, OBJ and Landry are available, but perhaps we can do better. We think we can come close to replacing a player like Hill by going after a team that has a top receiver that maybe would be open to some dealings because we know the Chiefs, they've got the money. They've got the draft picks, and this could be their answer. Of course, if they don't get their answer there, we have the draft coming up in a few weeks. So to me, this is Brett Veach doing his due diligence in my post for the uh website i ended up putting dk metcalf would make sense you've seen connections maybe to the the saints michael thomas wanting out of new orleans this is a lesser player but the houston texans brandon cooks i don't think they would go after cooks because i i think then you're really working with generally a middling wide receiver room i i think it would have to be better than cooks and to me metcalf or thomas is a fit and you know you go to the seattle seahawks and then pete carroll is saying well, you know, we're we're going to sign DK Metcalf, man. A month ago, Carol was saying that <laughs> Russ Wilson was staying there forever. So, right, right. I think you you see how this plays out, and maybe it'll be a a you know we're talking about trading up for an edge, which we think is is possible, John, and, and probably mm-hmm. probable. But who knows? Maybe Brett Veach says no. We we know that there's going to be value edges in round two, and you see twenty nine and thirty go for DK Metcalf, which I know a lot of Chiefs fans would be excited about. Some not because I do see constant mentions of we need to fix the defense, but uh, you don't know how this thing is going to go. We we can't forget that that major trade for Orlando Brown Jr. happened a lot closer to the NFL draft, right? Just within a week, actually, right. of the draft last year. So there's still time for things to happen. And there's not, you know, there's not a lot of room on the roster for uh, a lot more free agents. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have to assume the Chiefs are going to want to have, you know, eight, nine players out of the draft and a somewhat similar number uh, coming as undrafted free agents. That's what they always do. And a team that has a 
quarterback with a 35 or 40 million dollar cap hit has to look at those players, bring a lot of them through the pipeline. Uh, so I don't see them cutting back on that. But they're at 75 players on the roster right now. So unless they get rid of some guys that they haven't really had an opportunity to assess uh, or cut back on the rookies that they bring in, there's not much room for more free agents to come in over the next uh, few weeks. But that doesn't mean there couldn't be one or two uh, additional free agents brought in. Right. I, I know the Chiefs had been connected to Landry. You wonder if they are interested in Odell, which we know they were last offseason, mm-hmm. if they yep. would consider that. And I think what's interesting about Odell is he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. So as late as you could possibly <laughs> tear your ACL. And when is he even going to be ready to go? And right. is this going to be another case where he's, he's slow for six months before he is really ready to make an impact on a team? I mean, he. He surprised a lot of people and was great for LA down the stretch and in, in the playoffs. And then he, you know, suffered another set, setback. Good for him to get a ring, but I, I just wonder about a new team. You know, would he take a one year deal? Is he going to wait to closer to training camp to even see what happens in training camp? Right. We, we have an injury that affects an, a team in camp seemingly every year or the offseason where someone needs a receiver suddenly and then your market becomes greater. So. I, I don't think the Chiefs are done. I, I think the grand takeaway here is I don't think the Chiefs are done at receiver. This report confirms that to me, and you're going to see another significant player, be it a premium draft prospect or, to me, a premium player around the league added to this Chiefs room before it's all said and done. All right, John, we have to go through the newcomers on the Chiefs since we last spoke. Wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and I emphasize Marquez as he did to the rest of the media, mm-hmm. <laughs> making sure that we pronounce that right. It is not Marquez, it is Marquez, and he really cares about it. So if you're, you're talking to your pals at the water cooler, did you see that touchdown by Marquez last night? Why don't we say it correctly? All right, so uh, J.D., we we got, what, a three-year deal here, but it, it, it projects more out as, as a one-year deal. Right. When the contract was originally signed, people were going crazy. Uh, you know, we're, we're paying $30 million for a receiver that only had has averaged a little over 500 yards over four seasons uh, in the league. Um, and yeah, that looked bad. But as always, the details matter. And the details on this contract paint an entirely different story. Um, his cap hit in 2022 is only $4.9 million. And that's because they they paid him a moderate uh, signing bonus of six million dollars and a base salary of about two and a half million, and then you know some bonuses per game bonuses, workout bonuses or whatever, brought the cap hit up to four point nine in twenty twenty two, and that's about nine million dollars in cash uh, on that first year. He gets about nine million cash in the second year as well, but. And this is the important, but uh, they have the his he has a contract that will guarantee him. Uh, I believe it's six point forty four million dollars uh, if he's on the roster on the third day after the new league year begins in twenty twenty three. So, at that moment, the Chiefs can decide to walk away before that hits, and they're on the hook for only the four million dollars in dead money that would remain on the contract from the $6 million signing bonus. So yeah, this is essentially a one year contract for $9 million. And if things work out, 
then they'll be able to keep him for the other two years on the contract with the cap hit of 11 million in 2024, excuse me, in 2023 and uh, 12 million, I believe, or 14 million, I believe in uh, 2025 or whatever the next year would be. Uh, this is too hard for me to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a shrewd deal by uh, Brett Veach and the chiefs are, are leaning into, you know, Tyreek Hill was sort of a do it all receiver. And now they're leaning in a little bit more to roles. Right. And this is your stretch the field guy. Right. I thought it was interesting that Marquez said that things changed for him when it came to his interest in the Kansas City Chiefs once Tyree Kill was dealt, because now that you have that vacancy, you talk about deep threats in the league. He's one of the better deep threats in the league. And I, I've watched these national Packers games and he gets open. A lot of times it would be a misconnection between him and Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes they would hit each other. And I, I think that's what he's going to be for the Chiefs. He's going to be this player that makes sure that you can't really cheat up in, in a sense and continue to open things up. Now, do I think he's going to have a, a Tyree kill 1,200 or 1,300 yard number? No, no, no. His role is yeah. going to be different. But I think that's what he was brought in to do. And I think once you hear the details of the contract, that raises the grade. For me, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit yeah. here and tell you that I'm in love with MBS. I just talked about how I, I saw a lot of miscues between him and Rodgers, and this is just in the games that I was able to watch because the Chiefs weren't playing at the same time. Uh, so, you know, I hope he has maybe a better connection with with Patrick Mahomes, and and you get some of these uh, gashes that we were used to seeing in previous years, especially if the Chiefs start to change their offense. But I think this is a B plus signing when you consider the salary cap implications or or lack thereof, John. I'd, I'd agree with that. I think a B plus. I would have said a B minus maybe when the money was was part of the equation when you know we didn't know what the details. Maybe even a C plus. But I think that contract is perfect for the yeah. kind of role he's going to have on the team. And the the contract as it originally appeared uh, did, was not perfect <laughs> for a player in that role. So the contract has a big uh, a big impact on the grade for this player. And I'll just say this, and you're right. uh, He has a very low catch percentage because he's mostly been used on deep plays. Um, And the, he and Rogers apparently never really quite had the, the tuning or the chemistry or whatever you want to call it to connect on some of those deep throws. And maybe he comes in here and he and Mahomes are on the same page instantly. You just never yeah. know about these things. Sometimes it has a lot to do with how the players connect on a personal level too. And it might be that Marquez just didn't didn't mesh with Rodgers on a personal level. And, you know, Mahomes loves everybody. Everybody gets along with Mahomes. And it might well, have an impact on how he how well he can play. Got to take this with a grain of salt. But apparently Patrick heard that MVS was visiting the Chiefs and immediately called him and tried to convince him to come to Kansas City. So this is a player we know the the quarterback likes. And then before we move on, just a quick shout out to Alan Wright, Kel Kirby, and the equipment staff because they have Edwards Elaire to stitch now, Valdez <laughs> Scantling to stitch, Smith Schuster. We have Tega Winogo, Griffin Stewart. So just yeah. a lot of a lot of handwork going up <laughs> in St. Joe. Uh, and here they thought it was going to be okay once they got rid of uh, Duvernay yeah. Tardif, you know. Right, but right and Kirby, just make make sure you stretch stretch those 
hands, right? We don't want any carpal tunnel. <laughs> All right, moving on to running back Ronald Jones. This is a one-year deal worth $5 million. This, to me, John, marks the end of Daryl Williams coming back to Kansas City. I don't think he's going to want to come back into this room now. I am still wondering out loud about uh, Jarek McKinnon, but I, I like this little tandem here that you have with Edward Zilaire, Jones, and what would be Derek Gore, who really came out of the woodwork last last year to if you know something is slow in the run game you you throw gore in and he would have these moments where you you really felt good mm-hmm. about him on the field why not lean into that he's awfully cheap I, I would still like to see them bring mckinnon in for that those four backs in the room i think you would really complete the room in, in, in that sense but i i like the downhill running of jones i think for a long time i had been wondering why the chiefs when and this is when edwards elair and williams were both available i had wondered why they just you know, when sometimes short, we'd see an Andy Reid special and Chiefs fans would be, pull, you could see in the stands, the hair would be coming out of the stands. <laughs> you know, say, why are we doing a tight end shovel? And why not just run it down their throat with Daryl Williams? What I would tell you about Jones is Jones, to me, is a little bit more equipped for that. And a cool thing about him, he got a lot of comparisons, not to say that it's paid off so far in his career with the Bucks, but he got a lot of comparisons to Jamal when he was coming through the, the draft process. And I think this is going to start because this is the Andy Reid way as your backup running back. I think there is a scenario in which he ends up eventually turning into the starter. I think that's the Mm -hmm. upside that you have. And I think that's why he signed a contract one year again worth up to $5 million, John. Right. It's important that the up two is in that equation because I suspect his contract, the part of the money that he will make, regardless of what he does on the field, could actually be less than half the, half of that. It could be down, right. you know, below two and a half million, maybe down as far as a million and a half, and we're looking at three and a half million mm-hmm. incentives. So, you know, it, the, it could be that low. This could be a very favorable contract. And I agree with you that this probably means that Daryl Williams is not coming back. Um, that, uh, and I'm kind of surprised he hasn't found someplace. He put on right. he put some good tape down for the Chiefs last year, and I would think that he would have landed somewhere by now, but he hasn't. Um, maybe that's because, you know, running backs are a dime a dozen. I don't know, but I think you're making really good points about how Jones would be, uh, a different kind of player to go along with Edward Zolaire, uh, just as Williams was, uh, during the years that, that those two, the two years that those two have played together. So in a sense, it's kind of the same thing, but, but, uh, th- that we had with Williams, but in another sense, it's different because Jones, just kind of has a different uh, a different skill set, and uh, I think that's what Reed is going for. Somebody asked me in the comments uh, on the site uh, yesterday what I thought was going to happen, or maybe it was the day before, but somebody asked what I thought was going to happen with the running backs, and I said, look, I don't think it really matters that much who the starting running back is. Mm. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about who the number one running back is, but in Reed's offense, you know, this is running back committee. He's going to go with the the hot hand at any given time, and I'm not sure it really matters who the starter is on paper. I think what we're going to see is both of these guys getting significant snaps and in different kinds of situations, and I think that'll be good for the Chiefs. I like Edwards Elair a lot. Uh, this is the reality. He's shown a lack of durability to stay on the field in Kansas City, whereas yeah. Ronald Jones, I, I think he's a little bit of a, a bigger body. He seems like he can and stay on the field a little bit better. Uh, he does offer that dual threat ability. There's been a slight issue with 
fumbling. I think he has six or seven fumbles since he came into the league, which is not ideal. We know that Eric Bieniemy does not like fumbling. That is that is one thing I know for sure from the curse words I've heard at training camp. <laughs> and I hope that that is short up. But I, I like the room so far. I think you need one more body in there. Brett Veach really likes to bring in a bunch of running backs. And, uh, you know, I, I'd expect the Chiefs to keep four and then the fullback in Burton because they always keep a fullback. And so that'll be your room. It could be three in Burton. We've seen them do that before as well. But I and I, I expect some more bodies at the running back position. They tend to load up. I I like I still like McKinnon to come back. He was yeah. clearly your best back at the end of last year. I, I think you have to say that. And, you know, you would like to see him back in the mix. All right, John, we got to speed up a little bit. We're, we're taking our sweet time. Jermaine Carter signs a one-year deal and i believe it was worth 1.77 million dollars this is for a guy who started 17 games for carolina Mm -hmm. last year i mean i don't know what that says about the panthers but uh, he started as their mike linebacker but he does offer versatility at the linebacker position and the main question that we've gotten from fans at arrowhead pride was is this the end of ben neiman and i would i would tell you i think it is uh I, i think it is um oh wait john I, you know what i forgot to do what was your grade on jones quickly and then i'll tell you my grade and then we'll move on oh i i think that's a solid b for sure i i yeah i don't know if i don't know if it's a, a ball hit out of the park or anything but i right. think there's a lot to like about it uh i'll go b plus on that one I, I i like the upside of jones and if he ends up being your starter that's a cheap starter at running back for yeah absolutely yeah. uh okay back to uh carter People have been asking, is this the end of Ben Neiman? And what I would tell you, I think it is. Um, not to say that if Neiman is at the end of this and he's not getting a job or a role that he likes elsewhere, maybe the Chiefs just throw him back in the mix for very, very cheap. But as far as on the field, I, I think this is who they they kind of see in, in that role. And for, for, again, the amount of money that you were able to get what was a, a starter for another team, a very impressive deal for me. And I'll tell you my grade so I don't forget this time. I'll give that one an A minus, John. I'm not sure I'd go that high, but but certainly a B plus. And 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 I don't I'm not going to argue with you too much about that A minus. Um and I, you know, I've said on this show that I thought that the Chiefs were kind of go gonna go after some linebackers and free agency because they've right. talked about uh using the linebackers a little more. I think this player is uh, kind of the Damian Wilson. You know, yeah. I think the Chiefs might have been looking at Damian Wilson to come back uh, to be a guy that they could just depend upon to be a solid player in the second level. But then he signed elsewhere, and come so on, I Damian, think this is, what are you doing? Yeah, so I think this is the move they make uh, in place of of bringing Damian Wilson back, somebody they can depend upon. Uh, to be a, a good player uh, wherever they use him in the second level. I went on to Wikipedia and I just found out that Damian Wilson is on the Panthers. So a, a interesting connection there uh, goes to the Carolina Panthers and the Chiefs end up getting Carter. Carter has seemed pretty uh, excited to, to be a Kansas City Chief. They also added Dion Bush uh, into the mix uh, at safety, and so the Chiefs continue to load up on safety. We don't have to go into detail there, but I just think this is an indication that uh, probably Tyron Matthews, you know, at, at this point, it's right. over. I mean, we're right. at, we're we're about at zero percent, and probably Sorensen too, which is the th- you know the other thing people ask us about. Sorensen. Yeah, Daniel Sorensen signs with the Saints, so he's he's uh, oh right, he's, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've gotten so many on, questions about it before then. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for 10 days, it was like, uh, is Sorensen going to be back or not? 
let's go to that section. Uh, Dan Sorensen is now a saint. <laughs> fans were happy about this. I tried to remind fans that there were some good moments of Dan Sorensen, particularly yeah. in divisional playoff games. I had, had you know called him divisional Dan on mm-hmm. the show. He had these big plays against the Houston Texans with the forced fumble. And he actually, what, what I found out by pulling this play the other day was the fake punt Bill O'Brien called went to Justin Reed. Yeah, on the punt team, and Dan Sorensen tackles Justin Reed. Sometimes it's it's weird how life works and football works, where you you know you have these weird moments, and it's kind of ironic that Justin Reed's now going to be the leader of one of the leaders of the Chiefs' defense as Dan Sorensen uh, moves on finally after a lot of years. But uh, and John, I'll let you talk about this because I know this is something that that you have expressed to me in in our private conversations off the air. Like Dan Sorensen was a good player. I, I think we, we got yeah. losses. He was put in, in a starting position and he re- should have never been a starter. Some people just not starters in the NFL uh, as a rotation player and a guy on special teams for to be undrafted for 2014. And then to the last eight years with the club is is pretty impressive. Do I think it, it is was time? Yeah, I do. I do think it was time. Right. It, I, you know, I agree. He, he needed a fresh start, but. Pretty good, pretty good value out of that guy. Again, taken, signed by, I should say, signed by John Dorsey back in 14. Right. And, you know, I think what struck me about this as I've reflected on it over the last few days um, is that Sorensen's the kind of player that coaches love to have. And because, because he works hard, yeah, he works his butt off. And that's the only reason that we see him in those kinds of plays. I'll give you the example that Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl, where everybody got after uh, Pete Carroll for calling a pass that uh, Butler intercepted. Okay. In that goal line play at the end of the game. Well, that interception wasn't because he was a fantastic athlete. That interception was because he had paid attention that right. week during pack practice when they had shown a tell to the defense. Okay. When you see this, this is what you can expect. And he played it perfectly. That's the kind of thing that Dan Sorensen has always done for the chiefs. This is why he makes those interceptions in important moments is because he has worked his butt off yeah. in film study and knowing what the defense is supposed to do so on and so forth. He's had to, because he didn't have the athleticism that the other players on the team have. He's made up for it by working that hard. And, and every bit of success he ever had has come from that. If you're a coach, you love to see that on the team because it rubs off on other players. They see what he does and they see that, that leadership that he brings um, in showing how the right way to do your job is rubs off on other players. And so I, I get it. I totally get it when Sorensen is put in a situation like he was specifically in this last season where he's just, he's just at his age. Now that athletic uh, drawback that he has is too far. And they put him in a role where he really couldn't do the job anymore, no matter how hard he worked at film study, et cetera. But you have to recognize that this guy's been a great contributor for the team for a long time, and I understand why the coaches wanted to keep him as long as they did. It's just too bad that in that last year, um, he's going to, you know, he had some bad plays that we're going to remember. What we should remember is what a great player he's been for the team over a long period of time and for very little money. Well, I think 2021 was just misdirected anger. This was a player who had 
been racking up missed tackles for the beginning weeks of the season. And it took mm-hmm. Steve Spagnuolo, I don't have the number in front of me, it took him to like week seven or something mm-hmm. to replace him. The anger really should have been, a, it was at the time, but as the year went on, it just was more and more, especially as Tyron Matthew was throwing his hands in the air, as Matthew was getting, right. Sorensen was getting beat by Dawson Knox. To <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. But he was put in that position, right? What is he going to say now? Nah, I don't want to start. I, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, let's continue. We're going, we're going fast here now to, to end the segment because we're a little bit over. But D. Rob to the Raiders, another I would say good value guy for Kansas City was here a lot of years. The coaching staff trusted him with the offensive playbook. Uh, he had it down. I think it's an, a decent move by the Raiders for someone who really knows what the Chiefs. Uh, do playbook wise uh, to bring someone in like that because you got to beat the Chiefs but as we were alluding to earlier in the show this entire offense is going to look completely different so I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make now that Tyree Kill is out of the mix but Robinson goes to uh, Vegas Uh, again I I don't have a ton to say I don't I don't think it's a a significant loss for the Chiefs it's just another sign that this is going to be a new look offense in 2022. Mm -hmm. Right, I agree. And and he's kind of fallen off. I mean, there was a couple of seasons where he looked like he was going to be a guy that was going to be a contributor in the offense. And then the last year or two, uh, he hasn't really been that. Right. And so I think it was time for the, the Chiefs to move on from him. Of course, fans only want to talk about him, you know, taking a taking steps backward after well, that. That's ball. what I was going to say. There's a good chance in these Chiefs Raiders games that he's still going to be moving the di- direction that the Chiefs <laughs> want him to as far as the other end zone. Did you see the the Twitter gag? I, this was one of the funniest things I saw on Twitter this week. Somebody had taken the uh, the graphic that the Chiefs posted thanking Demarcus Robinson for his time in Kansas City, and they reversed it and posted it as a reply to the original. I thought it was I thought it was gifted milk. <laughs> hilarious yes it, it, it is you know that that's always going to be his thing that he's he's right for. he had a couple right. of big plays but sure he actually, did i think one of the bigger plays that he has was where was against the raiders didn't he have a great quarter against the raiders where he was yeah I think he ended up compiling a ton of yards i, I think I, that's right i couldn't yeah. tell you what all these games mash up but in he, my brain at he this absolutely point, but... made some big plays uh after yeah. with mahomes he absolutely mahomes, did mahomes trusted him so yeah uh, that was um, that was good to see Mahomes's real first. If you remember this, and back in 2017, I, this just came to me. But Mahomes's first real like, whoa, this guy's a freak. And 17 against the Broncos, that throw as he was rolling to his right and fell out of bounds. I believe Robinson was the recipient of of that pass. Sounds right. Uh, yeah, for a first down. So. Sounds right. Yeah, had a connection with Mahomes. Modest yardage. Good player for Kansas City, especially to get him in in those late rounds. He moves on to the Raiders. Not a big deal. All right, returns, Blake Bell's back in the mix. I think the Chiefs will be leaning back into those four tight end sets as Jody Fortson recovers. I think you're going to see them try to do some different things with those those heavy looks. Uh, I, they call it the T-Rex. I made a big deal about T-Rex, it on Twitter baby. and, and the, the website. Uh, Austin Blythe went to the Seattle Seahawks, so the Chiefs decided to bring Austin Ryder back in. Creed Humphrey is your starter, but this is a good backup who was, I believe, the starter for the Super Bowl team. So Right. Mm-hmm. You bring Ryder back into the mix, Bell back into the mix. These are good role player guys who know that they're role players. Like they'll never make the Sorensen mistake of putting Blake Bell over Travis Kelsey or Austin Ryder over Creed Humphrey, who's rocked the league as this outstanding rookie. So you bring them back in the mix and you need depth, right? You need all 53 right. players. So mm-hmm. 
I think it's a good move. And offensive linemen get hurt. So, you know, right. you, you know knock on wood. You don't want to see that happen, of course. But you got to back all these guys up, as we saw during the 20 season uh, as well. All right. Well, that wraps up the news and the movement here. When we come back, we're going to take a week after look at the Tyree Kill trade. We'll bring Steve in. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are revisiting the Tyree Kill trade after what has been a very interesting week, I think, as Kansas City has reacted to it and as... I think the league as a whole has reacted to it. And I, I want to give you guys the floor now that time has passed to give your takes on it. And then I'll provide a take and we can have a little discussion here and then we'll finish up the show with the poll of the day. So John, I'll, I'll start with you. Now that the week has passed, uh, I'll, I'll dive back into the marinated part of this. How are you <laughs> feeling uh, about this, this hill trade? Well, I think one of the problems that you have when you're an NFL general manager is that you have star players and nobody wants to move on from a star player. And what often happens is that you wait too long and you're not able to get anything in return for the player uh, because he's, he's gone past his point of no return. This is what people say that Bill Belichick has been really good at during his career with the Patriots of knowing exactly the right moment to step away from a player. Now, whether that moment is now with Tyreek Hill, we don't know. Could be, it might not be. However, this is probably the most the chiefs could have gotten for him in trade. And so you have to respect the possibility that the chiefs uh, probably got the the most compensation they could for a star player who's going to be missed. Let's not let's not mince words here. He's going to be missed in the Kansas City offense. But as you noted at the top of the show, Pete, it may be that we're going to see a different kind of Kansas City offense, and maybe Tyree Kill wouldn't have been that big a part of it. Yeah, I want to read this quote from Andy Reid. Andy Reid was at the owners' meetings and they had the coaches' breakfast, and he essentially said, "I love Tyreek. There was no rift with me and Tyreek. We tried to sign him at a certain cost." You can handle it any way you handle it. We handled it the way we did there. We felt like Tyreek deserved an opportunity. We came in aggressive, and then we got after the point. We just said, hey, listen, in this day and age, you have issues that you have to deal with the caps. So we felt like it was better to allow him to go ahead and be traded. You can go different routes. You can play hardball with the player and do that, or you can go about it the way I did, or he should say we did. <laughs> kind of with a grand reveal there that uh, he is making some some final decisions here. But uh, again, he continued, listen, the cap never gets far away from your thought process because you're always dealing with it. So Brad has got to sit there and manage that with his guys. And if you want to keep consistency throughout the years, you've got to be able to do that and stay at a high level. And uh, again, the Chiefs really saying and trying to express they tried. And they, the big thing with this regime that I think the previous regime got away from was just maintaining flexibility to make moves every off season. And mm -hmm. I think it got to a certain point where they weren't going to let Hill dictate their lack right. or their amount of flexibility. And they decided to move on. Steve, I'll go to you now. Now that the week has passed, how are, how are you feeling about the Tyreek Hill trade? I think that I feel better about it now than I did a week ago. And I still stand by the fact that this is closing the window on that 
Chiefs dynasty. It doesn't mean that they aren't building towards a new mm-hmm. dynasty. And right. that's something that I've kind of gone back and forth with some Chiefs fans on Twitter over the last week or so is, oh, you're overreacting. He's a wide receiver. What wide receivers win super win you Super Bowl single-handedly? Like, we've got Patrick Mahomes. We're fine. I agree with all of that stuff. But Tyreek Hill is still one of the biggest difference makers at his position in the NFL who was on a hall of fame trajectory. And when you look at their super bowl winning team, and now it's basically down to like Mahomes, Kelsey and Jones and Frank Clark, like mm-hmm. and that's it on the roster. That means that they're going in a different direction. Now you have to have faith in what they're trying to do. And You guys already talked about the numbers on Juju and MVS, and those are very, very team-friendly deals that you can just get out of if, whenever you need to. And hopefully they are going to draft a young wide receiver, and hopefully that wide receiver is an impact player, and hopefully Brett Veach hits on a lot of these draft picks. I don't think the Chiefs are going to pick 12 players. I, I think that that is ammunition to move up, and that's what I'd like to see them do. No, it's a, those are all good points, and yeah. this was what I, I discussed as well in the article that I put up that you know we shouldn't forget who plays quarterback for the Chiefs, and I want to mention Brandon Kiley, one of our podcast contributors on Show MBK, and he's he's done a number of really good articles for us in Ironhead Pride uh, this off season. He's kind of a, alluded to the fact that. In the Tom Brady Patriots thing, there were different versions of the team, right? Mm-hmm. They were defense yeah. first, then they leaned into the Randy Moss era. There was the two tight end uh, thing that they were trying to repeat now, I think, with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. As, as they're trying to, I think, lean back into some of those uh, teams. But what I'd say is there's different versions and there's different ways to win in the NFL. And to be fair, the, the league got used to the Chiefs doing what they did with the Legion of Zoom. Sorry to our, our mm-hmm. guy, Brad Simcox. We, we know you got the <laughs> trademark. But the Legion of Zoom is dead. That's that's real, right? Uh, the Legion of Zoom is dead. And the Chiefs are leaning into a good offensive line. They're leaning into bigger receivers. They're leaning into, let's get a running back in here that if you want to continue to drop eight against us, and maybe you will because MV- MVS is going to be downfield waving his hands then we're going to run it down your throat to Ronald Jones. And so they're, I think that they said to themselves, we're not going to sacrifice our future to bring this one guy in and then be really bad on defense. Or we're not going to be, we're not going to sign Tyree kill and then eventually, you know, lose what could be Kelsey or what, you know, eventually you're going to have to sign these offensive linemen that are, are, have been really good for you. So no, we're going to maintain and continue to be really good as a team. And like Andy Reid said, I'm the greatest offensive play caller of all time. Let's this is these are the receivers we need to bring in. I think they have a plan there to bring in another receiver. We've talked about that. I think they're going to be developing Jody Fortson and Noah Gray. And it's just going to be a different looking team. They're going to do it differently. And that's been getting around the league. You've seen Mike Giardi of, I believe he works for NFL Network or ESPN. I, I'm forgetting where he works, but he has kind of said there's this feeling around the league and I, I don't want to describe it as fear because uh, he didn't say that, but it, it, it's, there's a buzz that the chiefs are going to look a lot different. And if you think back to 2018, nobody could stop anybody. It actually took four years for the, for there to really be yeah. a consistent stretch of more than like two weeks where y- the chiefs look, looked a little bit beatable. Right. And uh, unfortunately for Kansas city, the, the, that aspect reared its ugly head when 
they played the AFC title game in the second half, the, some of the struggles early on, and it ended up costing their season. But maybe they recognized that too and said, why are we going to pay into something maybe defenses have figured out? And I think this comes down to, 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 to three things here. And I said it was Beach. He's betting on himself and his staff to nail these picks, the five picks they acquired in the NFL draft. One of them, now you can spend at edge. You can, you can get an, you need right now, you need, a, you need a premium player at edge and you need another premium receiver. And you can accomplish that when you have 12 picks in the NFL draft. They've been really good on day two and day three as well. And we, we talk about Legereus Sneed. He came on, on day three. Not that you're always going to uh, nail that, but a lot of these guys came on day two in the second round with, with Creed Humphrey and Nick Bolton. They've done a really nice job in recent memory of reacting and evaluating and making sure that they get players at this position. Again, they're trusting Andy Reid. You know, you think about the Chiefs offense. Let me read these targets for you. Tyree Kill last year, 159 targets. Byron Pringle, 60. And Demarcus Robinson, 41. So Pringle and Robinson, 101 targets. Tyree Kill, 159. Quick math tells me that's 260. Where are those 260 targets going? What film is there out there to mm-hmm. tell you who to defend on which play? Right. There is none. There's right. none. So that's, uh, to me, an advantage for Andy Reid. And then it's Patrick Mahomes. I think because of the struggles last year, and particularly the AFC title game, people have forgotten just how good this kid is. And especially when there is that Andy Reid unpredictable, unpredictability factor. It unlocks Mahomes. And if you give Mahomes a slight advantage, and especially, again, if you can shore up the right side of this offensive line, Orlando Brown needs to play a little bit better at, at left tack. We're still waiting on the, the Orlando Brown contract. But I think you see a hungry Mahomes. We know that Mahomes watches all these dumb shows where they, they say the Chiefs are done. <laughs> it's going to be ultra motivating for him in the offseason. And I think there is a there is an look. The shock of the trade is tough because Tyreek Hill is sure. a beloved player. There's nobody right. like him in the NFL. But there is an angle here where the Chiefs actually win more games because mm-hmm. they change the way they win. Uh, than they might have with Tyree Kill. And if you can save that money and, and be able to spend $70 million worth of cap over the next, what, three years that, he, that he's in Miami, then it's, you start to understand where the Chiefs are coming from. We're still seeing what they're going to add here to replace Hill. But I, I think, John, there's, there's something where you could say, I get it. You know, and it's hard at first because you're like, they're trading Hill to the Dolphins? Right. Like, what? Right. But you really think about it. And you're, you you got to stay patient as a fan, which is, at times is tough. I, I understand that. But this may be a better offense than it was last year. And I would actually bet on it. I, I would bet on it, even, oh. even not having seen the future moves to come before the, the season begins. Well, it's certainly true that trading Tyreek Hill wasn't on my list of top 100 things that might happen this offseason. So, right. yes, it's difficult to take. Of course it is. You know, the plays that he and Mahomes have made together have been super special. And it's possible we we may never see anything like them again. But as you said, there's a lot of ways to win in the NFL. And it may be that the Chiefs would like to try a different one for a while because the the opposing defenses have, uh, you know, been working on ways to stop an, an offense that they couldn't stop in Mahomes' first year. I think that's an excellent point, Pete, that that it's taken all this time for these defenses to get it figured out where they actually had a chance to beat the Chiefs and still didn't most of the time. You know? I mean, even even some of the losses in the uh, 2021 season were because of turnovers. 
Right. You know, the, the defenses just put themselves in a position that they could win if they had some luck go their way. And the Chiefs still won most of those games. Unfortunately, not when it most mattered against the Bengals. I think the Bengals certainly showed that, that, that they could figure out how to beat the Chiefs. And so now the Chiefs have to figure out how to way to keep from being beaten. And that's what they're doing. Oh, Steve, Steve, anything else? I think that Chiefs fans should take a lot of comfort in the self-awareness that they have shown mm-hmm. over yeah. the last couple of weeks because we knew that they were trying to work out a long-term thing with Tyreek Hill, and then once this fell apart, it was, okay, we're we're shifting, and they did mm-hmm. it fast. And right. now it's, okay, now we got to rebuild this thing for the future. And there's a lot of teams that don't do that. They try to right. keep the window alive for as long as possible. Like in, in recent years, we've seen the Atlanta Falcons. They went to one Super Bowl, lost, and right. they way overpaid. And they are in cap hell right now to the point where they just traded Matt Ryan and ate the biggest dead money cap hit <laughs> in NFL history. Yeah, that's and crazy. The, the New Orleans Saints are in a similar fashion. I'm kind of picking on the NFC South, but that's what I'm grabbing off the top of my head right now. Where, you know, they had a Super Bowl caliber roster and they weren't able to make another Super Bowl with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, but they kept trying to extend it, trying to extend it, trying Mm -hmm. to extend it and pushing all their cap to the future. And now they have no money and they're in a bad situation and their roster is one of the worst rosters in the NFL when it comes to like key playmaking contributors, Mm -hmm. the Chiefs saw an opportunity to blow this thing up and rebuild for the future. And I think that that's something you have to feel good about when you look back on all of this stuff. That's a great point, Steve. Yeah, that's great. Best franchises have soft rebuilds and transitional rebuilds all the time. The bad franchises need to strip everything down and redo everything because they've gotten (laughs) themselves in a position where they can't move. And the chiefs, I think realize what they have in Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's why they made, the tough decision to trade Tyree kill that wraps up our, our Tyree kill roundtable, And we'll finish up this show with the poll of the week. And this has to do with the overtime rule that was changed, John, uh, at the NFL meetings with the league saying that in the playoffs, only both teams are going to touch the football. This was presented by, it was Indianapolis and Philly. Uh, yes, yes, the Colts and the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I got out of the poll, <laughs> and this is another example of be careful what you read on social media because you would think that the entire <laughs> fan base completely hated that this passed after the Chiefs were victorious because of it and not a few years ago. But as a Chiefs fan, I asked, how do you feel about the NFL changing playoff overtime rules? And 44% had no opinion. So that's ha- about half the fan base. 38% liked it, liked it, and only mm-hmm. 18% didn't like it. Now, if you would just go to comments and mentions, you would think the entire Chiefs fan base right. is up in arms and so ticked off about this. Right. Only 18% when you, and that's over 3,000 votes, which I think is a pretty good indicator of how people are are feeling about this. And 3,000 so, anonymous votes, let's, let's make sure and point out. That's right. Anonymous votes with, with no right. no comments. I mean, there are comments here that, right. you know, you need to finish the game in regulation. I like it with Mahomes will be an advantage every time we're in the situation. Uh, someone said college OT is the best. Uh, someone said I would like it if they had changed the rules after it happened to us. But so some mixed bag there. But I, I think it is telling uh, that only 18 uh, percent didn't like it. And to me, 
this will eventually be an advantage for the Chiefs because P- Patrick Mahomes, despite the AFC title game, and this is this is what stinks about nicknames and, and sometimes because oh God, he really is the Grim Reaper, but it's hard to lean into that after he got beat, right after he got the nickname. <laughs> but I think this it, he had a he had a tough season for him. Right. So great numbers, a tough season for him. There's going to be a, a, a scenario here where you have a team that ends up getting the ball first, and then there's Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes and Reed are going to look at each other, and they're like, not only are we going to score a touchdown, we're going to go for two here. It's going to change the playoff strategy, uh, but I, I think it is going to work to the Chiefs' advantage. If, if you can guarantee me that Pat is going to touch the ball every playoff overtime, in the end, that's going to be a good thing, in my opinion. Well, you know, uh, yesterday, uh, Seth Walder on Twitter was uh, asking analytics people uh, which which possession they would like to have in overtime. That's now a thing. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, well, I would I would choose to uh, to kick off so that I could get the possession, the second possession. And then I'd yeah. know exactly what I had to do to win the game. And I, he wasn't asking me, but <laughs> but right. I weighed in anyway. And I said, you know, if it was me, I would work harder not to get into overtime right i think that's something that we have seen in the league uh under the current overtime rules which are going to continue um that when they get close to the end of the game the coaches play for overtime right it's like okay let's just get the field goal tie the game or whatever it is they need to do to tie and then you know worst case we got a we got a coin flip a win in this game Whereas, you know, if we try some risky play to get a touchdown or something, then uh, then we might lose before we even get to overtime. So I think I think teams are going to work harder to stay away from overtime. And I think that's for the good of the game um, in in the postseason, particularly. Yeah, I, I still don't think it's perfect. And I, it's hard to really make a perfect overtime. Sure. I mean, you, you see the college, you know, they eventually went to two point conversions, which is in a way not really even football either. I think yeah. this is better and it's closer to being even but there's going to be a playoffs where two teams score touchdowns or something and then the other team gets it twice as opposed to once and they win right and right then you're gonna be right. like well what are we what are we doing here so i would i would tend to agree with you i think the strategy changes uh in the sense of if you end up winning the toss i think it's a no-brainer to kick because a team is going to feel maybe the pressure to go for two and then if they miss the two, then all you need is, is a touchdown a, and the extra points. Right. Right. Um, I think now that the advantage shifts, you, you saw different personnel. I saw the, I saw what you were talking about. And you saw different personnel members anonymous around the league saying like, well, it depends on how our defense is. Now, I think it really isn't. It's going to eventually turn into a no brainer to kick uh, just because you know how many points you need. And it's an ultimate advantage. Like if another team feels like they uh you know need to go for two then if they miss it all you need is a an extra point or if they kick a regular uh extra point then you could win the game if you decide you have the gall to go for two there so i just think that knowing how many you need i think is going to play into what is an advantage and again this is just for the playoffs but i agree uh i think you'll start to see teams being like no let's go get it done there's going to be way more urgency as mm-hmm. If you get it, if you get it on your own twenty, it's a tie game, and you have twenty seconds. I think you see more of what the Chiefs did in the thirteen seconds, right? Exactly. Yeah. Them exactly. just kneeling on the ball and being like, "Let's," because it's still a chance. You, right. You know, you're still leaving it up to chance. Go win the game, uh, right. which will be better. Which will be better for the game. That's always my complaint. 
uh, about soccer. Sorry to the great British chief show. There's no urgency to score. I always say that the road team should, should have, should start one, nothing in soccer because then there's some motivation to go score. There, there's all these draws. No, you always should be motivated <laughs> to score in every sport. It makes every sport better. I don't know how I got into a soccer take. That's probably my sign to, to close down the, the show here. So thank you to Steve for stopping in for uh, our Tyree Kill Roundtable. Of course, we're producing this bad boy. Thank you to you, the listener. Again, leave us a rating and a review coming up this week. <clears throat> we'll continue to have some coverage uh, of free agency as we lead into the NFL draft on arrowheadpride.com. Stick with us on Friday for more Arrowhead Pride draft talk. Ron Cobb continues to do a fantastic job for us. I talked about Steve. For John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show.